Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Human Behavior Show. We're back and we have another great episode. Today, I'm going to be going live with Dr. Owen, who's a board certified psychiatrist, and we're diving deep into the human mind and learning what Dr. Owen is interested in. And we're following these up with more episodes on psychiatry. Dr. Owen is a renowned psychiatrist who is a really good social audio creator and has held some amazing rooms in the Human Behavior Club. And we want to do kind of a quick 30-minute show explaining his interests, what he's interested in, and hopefully add value to you guys so you guys can learn about a whole host of things. So if you're in the audience, you can, as always, call in, ask us questions, and look forward to hearing uh, Dr. Owen today. And this will be live on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you'll be able to listen to this. I love interacting with the listeners. I love hearing from you guys. I love the feedback. So appreciate everyone who does give us feedback. And yes, keep listening. Make sure you subscribe to Kickoff in just a second. So we have Dr. Owen joining us now. So we'll be starting in just a second. Um, really looking forward to this episode. Owen, hey. <laughs> uh, I've been missing kind of our interactions and uh, this is kind of one of the episodes I've been most looking forward to is getting someone I've gotten to know in the pandemic pretty well and had a lot of fun with, <laughs> even though we've not met in real life yet. I was meant to meet you. I had more time in New York, but it was such a press trip that I couldn't. But Owen, why don't you give the listeners your background and then we can kind of kick things off. Sure. And I want to start with a little bit of a mic check. How do I sound? Perfect. Never sounded that, better. That is great to hear. Um, so hi, uh, I am a uh, child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist by training. Um, you'll notice I have updated my, my first name to, to Scott. That's my middle name legally. Um, but uh, in the era of um, Web3, I, I wanted to kind of mark that. And one of the ways of, of marking that for me was doing the name change. Um, and plenty of people go by their middle names. Uh, but I just... Um, my, my contempt for, um, the, the extractive business models that got us to a place where, you know, authoritarians are using Facebook to get elected. Um, that's an emergent property of a system that didn't think about its impact. And when it finally did, didn't care. And I'm hoping for a better future than, than, than we had with Web2. And, and that's why, as a psychiatrist, I'm moving my work to technology. Owen, I'll be honest. When you, I first got a notification, I said, Scott. And I was like, does Owen have a brother that's also a psychiatrist? <laughs> so you had me for a good uh, 10 minutes or so on Twitter when I had a reply from you. And, and it caused a little bit of confusion. But um, nice to see the name change. Obviously, I've yeah. known you as Dr. Owen. <laughs> so, yeah. And which is fine. You can, you can call me either way. I mean, it's. I think for years my family's called me Scott, and and good friends have called me Scott. So it's boarding school, and so this isn't like new for me. It's just you know kind of a, a new thing with the world. I, when I decided to do this, it turns out there are a lot of other people who've done this. Um, my my co-founder at, at at Sphere, a company I, I exited from uh, earlier this year, uh, Dave. He's actually Luke, and spent half his life as Luke. Um, and so, you know, this is a thing for, for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 
hey, uh, let's see what that's like. Um, what I do think it allows is um, a little bit of freedom from uh, less engaged parties to uh, be tethered to, you know, look, reviews in psychiatry are one star or five stars. And I have uh, some uh, rather, you know, difficult uh, cases that I can't say more about on advice of counsel. And Owen, you've been up to a lot of cool things and you really got a lot of, um, you know, social audio cred. You and Carlene, which is Owen's wife, um, a Harvard trained psychiatrist, um, make a superb duo. And I just love listening to the pair of you dive deep on so many different subjects. So obviously psychiatry is so broad and the human mind is so broad. So to kick things off, I just wanted to know, uh, firstly, what got you interested in psychiatry, the human mind, and and where do you think psychiatry is going? Yeah, that's a it's a question that has a really meaningful answer to me. Um, psychiatry is a medical discipline, and what that means for the audience is you have to go to medical school, either MD or DO, or you know around the world MBBS is your degree. Um, but you have to study medicine. You have to study surgery. You have to study uh, OBGYN, you have to study neurology, you're doing all the doctor stuff in your schooling. And before you even get there, you have to do all of the pre-medical requirements. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I did none of them in college. And with the express purpose of not going to medical school was the goal. I wanted to prevent myself from doing it because I was worried, what if I got depressed again? I have had bipolar disorder for my whole life. It was recognized finally when I was 16, right around when you're kind of picking colleges and thinking about your future. And I, I went to Amherst College and I was hell-bent, despite my curiosity about the mind. I took every single senior upper-level neuroscience seminar offered, but still took zero prerequisites that would allow me to go to medical school and just waltz right in. And I thought that was a pretty good plan, and I was pretty smart, and I was going to get to go be a recording engineer, which happened and is still a problem <laughs> problem slash opportunity to this day. Um, but uh, what happens is if you really want to go to medical school, you can go take those classes later. And I did that at City College in New York. Um, and and the, the, actually I actually have the day marked on the calendar where that decision got made. Um, I was working overnights at Sony when Tommy Mottola, the former head of Sony Music US, got laid off. And I remember walking out at you know 9.15 a.m., because that was the end of my shift after a night with Beyonce, walking really slowly, and then realizing I didn't want to be here the whole time. Um, we have a lot of... Jo Joan Ball on Clubhouse talks about this, both in her book and, and as she speaks regularly, about this crisis of self-direction. What am I going to do with myself? as opposed to who am I? And that was a real moment of a crisis of self-direction. And the, the crisis was resolved because I was, you know, taking some time off from doing that. And my best friend from age zero, like my mom and her mom are best friends. His name is A, and A and I uh, got together and went to a uh, support group because he had developed a very severe depression 
I had had depression in my life. And we went every week for a year and a half to a DBSA, Depression Bipolar Support Alliance, meeting. And it was at one of those meetings that I realized, oh, I got to go be a psychiatrist. That's quite the story. So it seems like personal experience really led you to becoming a psychiatrist. So in this kind of journey, um, what are your thoughts on the human mind in terms of how much do we know and how much do we not know? And where do you think psychiatry is headed? Oh, God. So the human mind is, I think, if psychiatrists spent more time thinking about the mind and less about the the brain, um, or imagining they knew knew more about both of these things, um, uh, look, the human mind is a remarkable uh, piece of anything. <laughs> it may be the most remarkable biological uh, structure uh, that we've found, and. I, the remarkableness of it has a lot to do with how, at least in my mind, and this is drawing from the work of Adam Saffron at Hopkins, um, we we essentially evolved this structure that allows us to do more than should thermodynamically be possible. And, and what I mean by that is that the second law of thermodynamics is a, a, a law of the universe, essentially. And it means that you can never have less you know, chaos in a system. And this usually has to do with energy or heat. And so things that are energetically difficult, um, let's use an example that's easy, breaking an egg in reverse. If I told you, Soheb, I need you to break your iPhone uh, in reverse, I need you to drop it, step on it, throw it down, crack the Gorilla Glass, and then I need you to pick it up and have everything come right back together. How easy would that be? Mm, well, that's difficult. <laughs> right. And with an egg, I need a functional egg that can give birth to a chick. But I just dropped on the floor. Not good. Not good, right? But we can imagine both of those things happening seamlessly. And I would argue that ability to imagine time moving backwards and forwards is among the more powerful examples of the kinds of miracles our brains are able to perform using hardware that more or less is repurposed from our fish ancestors. Even the serotonin 5-HD2A system upon which psychedelic medicines largely act um, and which regulates, you know, among other things, the intensity with which sensory experience is relayed from the thalamus to cortex layers one through five, even that is the result of a gene duplication event in the Cambrian explosion that let our fishy ancestors swim slightly faster. And so we had this problem, like kind of like people with old computers have, like how are you going to mine Bitcoin if you've got an old machine? Well, you kind of have to repurpose it, right? You have to write some new code, software. You may have to do some new hardware upgrades. But more or less, any kind of computational machine is, is when you have old hardware around, probably won't be very good. And humans have done the opposite. Our brains are better adapted and adaptable more now than they have ever been. And that is a certain kind of science magic 
um, the human mind is capable of imagining things that in any other context would be frankly impossible. And that means hope is possible. And it means hopelessness is endlessly possible. But when you take that tremendous possibility as your starting place, it's a lot less frustrating than going from kind of other perspectives. And I I mean it to be both literally biologically true and also kind of philosophically true. Oh, and I really appreciate our conceptualization and it's got me thinking. Um, That's a really good way to describe the human mind and what goes on and what happens. So I know like we've... I, I can do mechanism of it if you want. <laughs> no, that's good for listening. I think, I mean, I think this is so many episodes that I should be doing with you and Carlene um, that I hope to do during this, you know, podcast, The Human Behavior Show. I mean, human behavior all comes down to neuroscience and the mind and psychiatry and psychology. Yeah. So that's at the core of it. And just so much that I want to leave to discuss with the both of you in so many singular episodes. So this sure. can... We cannot do justice in half an hour. To anything. <laughs> so this is the preview of all the things we'll talk about episode? Exactly. That's what it is. Touching a very, okay. very surface. I mean, not even surface level. <laughs> we just. So one of the things, I mean, we've discussed as well, and I just want to touch on this very briefly. So we've talked about a lot of different topics, and I hope to do singular episodes with Owen or Carlene or both in the future if they're available, will be, I think, the popular ones, which have been, Things like um, narcissistic personality disorder, um, which is a very popular one. Trauma. Trauma has been really important as well. One that trauma and healing. Jeremy, I know, has come into those ones as well. Um, Then other popular ones we've had include, um, obviously, common mental health disorders that happen, anxiety and depression. Then we've done ones looking at the future and, you know, things like DBT. We've looked at things like tech. Um, what part it has to play, AI, um, can we track things like moods? So there's so many different um, ones we can discuss. And then we get into the more types like psychosis and schizophrenia. And there's so many different ones we can do. But to start off with, we'll try and begin with ones that are more applicable to you know most of the listeners before we go for interesting cases. So, Owen, with... Really general. Yeah, really general. So, with... Owen, oh, so I got a lot of questions right now. And I, I know I've been wanting to do this on Clubhouse with you as I got, well. I got a couple more minutes. Um, I push my call back, so we have a little extra time. If you like <laughs> with, with, a, with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, what's going on? Um, a lot of people have been asking comments from psychiatrists. I know you probably don't want to you know, say anything, like a diagnosis or anything. I, yeah. I understand that. But are there plays of psychiatric disorders? People are saying personality disorder. And could you briefly try and explain that for the listeners? Yeah, and this, this, uh, you know, and, and I can't say more uh, because lawyer in my own circumstance, but um, I, I, without casting um, aspersions, but without talking negatively about any of the people involved, my basic understanding is Johnny Depp was accused of all sorts of things, and then filed a lawsuit against the person who was accusing him, who was his ex-wife, saying, no, these things weren't true, and here are these thousands of hours of video. Um, and, you know, he had damages from losing his role, being being accused uh, of doing bad things. And look, I don't know one way or the other. I don't know the man. Um, I don't know Amber. I don't know any of them. I do know that what is described 
is something we've seen over and over and over again. And I'm a big Shakespeare fan. And so maybe we can use a little bit of that to, to say things that are slightly more definitive. Um, is it possible for people to have experiences that they believe and understand deeply to be true that are not based on what a, you know any number of third parties watching a video, even being there, would agree with? Yes. Um, if you don't believe me, go to sleep next to somebody and ask them what they thought of your dream when you woke up. You had an experience, they didn't, no camera would capture it, but it is no less true for you for having had it than it is not true for them saying you were just dreaming. And if we accept that our brains are capable of dreaming or breaking eggs backwards, we have to accept that people can have extraordinary experiences that we don't have access to that will at times feel true to them. And some people are much more capable of understanding these experiences as true to them. And so to give someone like Amber the, the benefit of the doubt, um, I'll use someone like Lady Macbeth, right? Lady Macbeth has the, the kind of climactic scene in that play where she's screaming out, out, damn spot, because she's trying to wash blood off of clothing. And the audience you know, gets it. There's no blood there. What she's trying to wash off is her sense of guilt, and her mind is turning that into blood in the in the laundry she's doing. And it just won't come out. But Lady Macbeth was deeply distressed by that experience, which for her was real. And these things can clash when we live in a world where we assume that there is objective truth, that everyone could or should share it, and that two people in the same position at the same time will have the same experience or else one of them is a goddamn liar. And I don't think that's fair or, or even true. I also think it means we have to be very careful when we're, you know, as, a, as the public, you know, adjudicating, coming down on the side of right or wrong or good or bad, when we hear these stories, especially about intimate relationships. Because we just don't have the information necessary about what it's like to be somebody who's not us in what may be situations that are difficult to understand, if not impossible. But I have endless um, sympathy for both Johnny and Amber and their family, their kids, because what they've been through by virtue of them having experienced it, whether a camera would agree or not, um, doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is the suffering. And I think attitudes that help us relieve that suffering involve curiosity around people's experience. Owen, oh, very well said. And I think if anything, what I've learned in this last year or so is how intertwined mental health can be with relationships and how important it is to look after your mental health when you are in a relationship. Um, and that journey, obviously, doing my startup has, has been a, a big learning curve that I wasn't aware of how in, inextricably linked your relationships are to your health, more specifically your mental health. So, Owen, thanks for kind of giving us a brief take on that. And I guess in the last eight minutes or so that we've got remaining, I did want to ask. So 
I think we did another popular show and that was on looking at entrepreneurs and looking at narcissistic personality disorder, also looking at it doesn't give them an advantage. Our startup founders, I mean, there's been a lot of popular and, and oh, and I love your examples. Like you gave an example there as well for Macbeth and you were really good at this, this show. I think the audience really enjoyed that. Um, you know, we've seen characters like Fire Festival or Bad Blood, Elizabeth Holmes, and that's some of the cases that get popularity. And then on the other side, apart from tech and founders, we get to serial killers. And that show we did was super, super interesting as well. And it shows how the human mind functions in so many different ways and gives people different, you know, behaviors or different incentives to act and, and make them behave so differently in different outcomes. I'd love for you to comment on that just very briefly. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with the kind of narcissism question um, because it's one that comes up a lot and, and, like it's a it it's there's a reason people click on articles about narcissism and it's not always what we'd think one of my favorite so narcissistic personality disorder which is not the personality trait of narcissism it is having a medical disorder with criteria of which there are a bunch that I will not bore people with but essentially it's having impairments in your life in the domains of identity self-direction, empathy, and intimacy. And if you look at the alternate model for DSM-5 in the back of the book, the text revision was just published. Carlene wrote a nice blog post about it on the Ozmine blog where they just announced their $40 million Series B yesterday. Good for them. Happy they have a personality disorders person around. But it's about impairment, right? It's about suffering. And people with NPD, which is generally what we're talking about, um, not just high trait narcissism, um, have have a pattern of impairments, and you know these. It's it's about seven percent of the population. The heritability, how much of it is due to genetic factors, is seventy one percent, and that beats major depressive disorder. It's just under the eighty percent for bipolar disorder. It beats borderline personality disorder at fifty five percent. This is a highly heritable illness. And, and you know, what NPD is in the lives of people with NPD is problems with identity, problems with self-direction, problems with intimacy, and problems with empathy. And feeling, it's not just feeling like you're the best, it can also be feeling like you're garbage. And in the work that I've done clinically over time, you know, I've seen that people struggle with these ideas and these topics and that there's precious little education or help. Like we have how many treatments for borderline personality disorder right now, a disorder which, by the way, does not exactly sort cleanly. And how many do we have for narcissistic personality disorder? Maybe one. Do I think there's another one that's promising? Yes. Are any of these biological? No. Do these individuals have other problems also? Yes. And not for nothing, I was uh, you know, recently talking to a doctor about whether that was a diagnosis that made sense for me. And my, my doctor and I have gone back and forth about it for, for a couple of years. Like I, I do have these you know, grandiose ideas. I'm going to change healthcare. <laughs> Here I am talking to Sohib about it. Um, but I think the differentiator, if we want to make it really simple around narcissism and when it's a problem, a disorder for which one could or should get help. 
And that help, by the way, is going to be psychotherapy or treatment for other co-occurring problems like depression, just so people know. But it's a problem when it's a problem for you or the people in your world in a way that gets in your way. The, it, I mean, it's not a surprise when people have problems with you. They will let you know. And it will cause I- impairments. Now, people's experience of those impairments can be different. And no one has to do, no one's forced to recognize anything. If only I could just make them see. Yeah, no, but you can't. Um, but if you're having problems holding relationships together, because if people don't think you're great, you think you're garbage. If you always come on fast and strong, and that means your relationships end up being really short because you can't keep it up. If people are the best until they're the worst, and then you have to cut them off dead to you. And if you feel like, you know, you're really good at imagining what you can say to lie to somebody, but you can't imagine what you could say to communicate that you cared about them. Those are the kinds of experiences people with NPD suffer from. But anything that's in 7% of the population has adaptive qualities. And, you know, grandiosity, I've said this before, if it wasn't for grandiosity, we wouldn't have anything cool whatsoever. You need ADHD, mania, and narcissism to get the grandiosity you need to have there be enough people around who believe the impossible is possible. We don't have to want to necessarily hang out with those people all day long. Um, I would hope everyone would get the kind of help that would let them live lives where they're feeling more connected. And that help may look different for people with NPD. But I like it when I can get an Uber. I like it when I got to meet Sohib on Clubhouse. I don't like it when Clubhouse is managed in such a way that we had to meet elsewhere. And I think there are, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anyone had any disorder in that process. I'm just saying the kinds of things people who are dreamers will go do. Those dreamers overwhelmingly have some degree of trait grandiosity, and sometimes that overlaps, often that overlaps, with something like bipolar disorder, narcissism, ADHD, or all three. And by having that in the population, we get more good stuff. And so I think, you know, I think A, being compassionate to everybody is a good idea. And B, being compassionate to the people who bring us the things that we like and not pretending once we have those things that they weren't necessary at all is probably the more <sighs> um, the the more humane way of doing things. Oh, and I actually love that how you've explained that. And uh, we need a you, Carly, and I need to make this a weekly show because we have so much to dive I mean, into. Totally. <laughs> this this works so well on calling as well. Yeah. Calling up. It's super easy. You pop on, it's recorded, and it's published straight away, which which I love the format. Oh, gosh, it goes straight, it that, you know, straight to... Straight to Apple. Yeah, straight to Apple Podcasts, straight to Spotify. Literally That's takes five shit. minutes. As soon as this room will be over, you can find the, the links there. So the listeners, please subscribe on Apple, and please subscribe on Spotify yeah. as well. I love and, it. And, and check out Colin. Yeah, it's a really good format. So finally, as we're rounding this up, uh, um, Owen... I want to know, why do you think mental health has taken so much of a public lens in, in the last, especially during COVID and the last few years, it's almost become trendy for people to talk about their mental health. What has happened for that shift, that seismic change that before certain things were taboo, but now a lot of, you know, 
people are looking for solutions for mental health, are talking about it. What's happened there? And then finally, as we round up, please tell everyone where they can follow you and what you do. And then we'll round up. Yeah. Um, so I think mental health became a thing to talk about because mental health, there's no, there's no such thing, <laughs> right? Like people, when they say mental health, they never mean that. They're, they're always, in my mind at least, saying, let's talk about mental health. Well, let's talk about our psychiatric problems. Let's, but it's rarely, let's talk about the, the broad range of things that, you know, contributes to or detracts from the health of our minds. It's usually a way for non-experts to talk about psychiatry in a way that gets them uh, free from the burden of having to know anything about psychopathology um, treatment uh, and can just, you know, say their toxic positivity stuff in a way that they feel is helpful, uh, but may or may not be. I think it's a dodge and an unhelpful one because we don't have the right words to use. Um, and look, it opens the door for charlatans and, and, uh, snake oil salespeople and they love general terms. Um, uh, it's, it's hard to talk about, I mean, the stigma is powerful, right? We could talk about depression or we could talk about mental health. What would you prefer? We could talk about psychosis or we could talk about mental health. Which would you prefer? We can talk about people who are so unable to understand the experiences of others that they will beat or rob them. Or we could talk about mental health. What do you want to do? 100% agree. Specific. You can't, I think mental health helps a lot of people evade um, from what the actual, you know, scientific point of view is. And people, as you said, we see a lot of this um, charlatans throwing around so many things. I mean, everyone, I, there was someone who was an essential oil oh, specialist. Oh, I love essential oil specialists. They have so much to do. And I was confused. <laughs> so I credit you. Uh. Well, but, but the thing is like, look, I, I appreciate that people want to be helpful and I appreciate that people want to understand, but one of the hard things to understand is that in the attempt to oversimplify, you lose something. It's like saying, well, we want to go to typing class, but we only have keyboards with vowels. Sorry. <laughs> and like, it's, it's a non-answer to the point that you're not going to write anything meaningful because... I, uh, ooh, I isn't a useful sentence. And that's just where we end up with that sort of limitation. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Owen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on this podcast, and we're definitely doing follow-ups, and that's, that's the plan. Yeah, we guys. discussed. So, yeah, we've discussed. It's kind of just a very, kind of to whet the listeners' appetite for what's to come and get a feel for Owen and how much of a great speaker he is. And we would love kind of feedback as well in terms of what topics you want to discuss first so we can kind of start with those. So, Owen, in the meantime, where can people follow you and see what you're up to? So uh, go by Scott because that'll make it easier. I'm Scott Muir, MD, on Twitter. Uh, that is my social media platform of choice. Um, I am, uh, you know, in, in Twitter communities around mental health. Uh, I'm a Psychedelics Anonymous holder. I'm on the Silo NFT project team. Um, and I have stuff coming that's still in stealth mode. Um, so I can't say much about it yet. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, the problem is most of the things are not on stealth. Um, I care about insurance 
and I care about people getting access to healthcare coverage, and I care about the future of mental health care. And those are things I am working diligently on and more than happy to hear from others and collaborate. Thank you, Scott or Dr. Owen, as I've known you. <laughs> the adaptation will take some time. But it's fine. <laughs> this has been brilliant. This has been absolutely brilliant. And I'm already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for taking time to come on the Human Behavior Show. Guys, this was episode 17. Really looking forward to kicking off the next one as well. We're doing about four a week. We're trying to keep them short and sweet so we get like maximum it. value because I think people can actually, whereas Clubhouse, I think people come in and out and it's a different type of format. Um, this makes it kind of everything we've learned and we put them in packaged contents of 30 minutes so someone can listen to on a drive or do a chore. And, and so, yeah, hit me up after this and we'll plan out. Yeah, yeah, we'll we plan this out properly. So thank you, everyone. That's me signing off. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and download the call-in app. I will catch you guys in the next show. Thanks, everyone. Bye.